getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome back in team, we just hit one o'clock, a couple of days after that fantastic record breaking win by the Kiwis over the Kangaroos, 30 to nil, a big duck egg for the Kangaroos, Uh, they were terrible in the stats, they weren't great at breaking holes into a very motivated and keyed up Kiwis team. Our next guest, I was going to read out the clubs he's played for, but that would take us to the 130 News, so I won't. I'll just introduce him as an out-and-out league head, and he was there at the game. Willie Poaching joins us. G'day, Willie. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, cheers for not reading out all those clubs. (laughs) There's a bunch. Which one did you play for the most? Was it Leeds? Yeah, Leeds. I spent most of my time there. Yeah, and Wakefield Trinity, you spent a long time in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, might need to get you on the coaching uh, or the scouting staff for the Warriors to try and find a, a replacement for our props up the uh, Northern Hemisphere if um, if our great Adam Fenua Blake only does one more year, but that's for another discussion. That Kiwis performance Saturday night was up there with the best Kiwis performance I can remember watching. Yeah, outstanding. Outstanding. And every sense, you know, going up against the calibre of team that they were going up against and the experience that they had, the response to last weekend, um, just so much oozed out of that game, just the quality of performance from our boys that, you know, so much to be proud of. What was the key for that? It just looked like the Kiwi team was just so motivated to get one over the Australians. And I'm not saying they weren't motivated, but there was something a bit extra for the Kiwis there. Yeah, I, I think it was uh, attitude and mentality going into the game and speaking to a couple of the players afterwards and the switch in mentality and getting positive straight after Melbourne was was an important key for the team. And, you know, full credit to Coach Michael Maguire and the staff for coming up with the right tactics and learning so much from that game in Melbourne to switch it around. And Cameron Munster's come out and he's said that they had a hint of complacency, which... And I find it a little bit disrespectful in, mm. in Test Rugby League, but um, you know the Kiwis had to take advantage of it, and they more than did that. The Kiwis probably beat the Kangaroos more often than, than they should, and, and I wonder if that is a uh, complacency-type thing. But I was there's a few players I want to talk to you about. The first one, our, our new skip, uh, James Fisher-Harris. What an absolute weapon of a game he had. Um, enormous. And what a warrior. Um the player that takes the field is totally different to the person off it, and that's what you want. Um, as a leader, um, he doesn't speak a lot. He's not a person to say a lot verbally, but his actions speak volumes, and his first carry straight off the kickoffs just set the tone. Set yeah. the tone for the team, set the tone for the game, and you couldn't ask any more from your captain. No, you could, and, and the thing I loved about him, if I'm, a, if I'm an aspiring Kiwi... Oh, I'm hell-bent on wanting to play for him. For sure, for sure. And you can see 
just what it means to his teammates to have him in there. Last week, I thought he rattled Thomas Flegler. Um, in that game, he was all over him, whether he was carrying the ball or tackling him. He was inspirational in that. And, and same again this week. As I said, he just kept finding Ben Hunt in the middle. And then when Harry Grant came on, he just destroyed him. And it made it hard for Tino and, and Payne Haas to get into the game. Such was uh, the performance of James Fisher-Harris and his uh, front row teammate, his Penrith teammate, Moses Leota. A lot of the Aussie fans have come out and said, yeah, but it wasn't a full-strength Aussie side. It bloody damn near was. Uh, and it wasn't a full-strength Kiwi side. We've had our injury concerns as well. That doesn't hold water, does it, Willie? No, no they can field three or four teams, and they'll all be strong. So that was as strong as they could get. You know, without Nathan Cleary being there, um, that was a quality team. Take nothing away from Cherry Evans. He's the Queensland captain. He's won series after series. He's been around the NRL for a long time. So he's a more than capable of a replacement for Nathan Cleary. So, yeah, that side that took the field, um, there was no um, arguments from the Australian section of the media and, and crowd last weekend when they put 38 points on, on the Kiwis. They weren't saying they were um, underhanded and undermanned then, um, so we can't take that now. Kieran Foran, I have, I've always had respect for him. Um, he's had a heck of a life. Um, he he had the had the black dog talking to him for a while, if you know what I mean, Willie, and came to the Warriors for yep. a year to sort himself out. What a remarkable Kiwi, answering the SOS from Mesh. Um, to, to go into the nine jersey, gosh, what what a series for him. 100%. What a great servant he's been for the for the game of rugby league, but for the Kiwis and for the for New Zealand. Um, came onto the scene, won a premiership early, um, was, always played halfback, but as you said, when needed, and speaking to him after the game about his role in playing in hooker, and you know, he was more than happy to play anywhere for the team. You know, he's more than happy to do what is needed for the for the black jersey, and and that's inspiring for young players coming through to see someone of his age and his caliber, his status in the team, still willing to do whatever it takes and do whatever. But he he was as he expected, and as one everyone else would expect. Teams were trying to punch holes through him, through the middle. He's the smallest bloke in the middle, but he just kept working, he kept working, and. I was just surprised at how he handled the workload and the minutes. And you know, he shows why he's had such a long and illustrious and successful career. And yeah, he's had some tough times. He's gone, he's um, played through and had some battles along the way, but I think that's made him a lot more resilient and stronger now. And we're seeing the rewards of that. On, on the International League um, landscape, I mean, we see games like that one and we just want more, but... It's almost an impossibility. I know Greg Peters wants more for New Zealand, for the Kiwis to reconnect with the national team. There's no windows. There's no, uh, at the end of an NRL season, and rightly so, the guys are absolutely buggered and deserve a bit of a time off. There's the odd tours. But aside from Rugby League World Cup, there doesn't seem to be a meaningful pattern for us to re-engage with the Kiwis. Can you see a way for that something more meaningful to, to happen? I'd love to have the answer. <laughs> I'd love, because um, I'm like everybody else, and I've been saying this since since the final whistle of the World Cup final last year, and that was a massively successful tournament. And I could just feel the passion and the appetite 
for players, staff of teams, um, supporters especially, to want to see more international rugby league. And that appetite hasn't changed. That hunger hasn't changed. And we need to cater for that somehow. Yeah, I understand the players have a big workload and the NRL is a tough competition. Mm. Um, so is Super League. But the players want it. The players want to want to play for their countries. They want an opportunity. We only had two games with Samoa this year and the players wanted more. Um, so it's there. We just, do we extend the window and do what we did at the World Cup? Maybe, but we've got to do something to grow the international game. And I think we we lack behind and we lag behind other games and other sports in the international arena. We've got to use that as a vehicle to really promote our game globally. Got a, got a few texts for you. Actually, come through. Willie, we're talking to Willie Po Ching um, from Sean. Oh, no. Yeah, no, that, oh, that's fine if you just uh, want to answer them. Does Willie think? International Rugby League have the moral right to fight the NRL so we get more International League. And I guess, paraphrasing Sean, um, NRL pay the big bucks to these players. Their their million-dollar contracts are with with the NRL, aren't they? Um, It's a hard fight. It is a hard fight. It is a hard fight. It's it's like uh, trying to fight against the NFL, Mm. if you like. Uh, for international games, and they they essentially run so much of the game, mm. and the players have been arguing, and they finally got an agreement on their CBA. But that CBA is in agreement with the NRL. Yeah. So, you know, I understand where the NRL come from, but yes, I I agree. Somebody and the board at the international rugby league level at some point need to say, no, we need to do this. This needs to happen. This is. And what happened this year, we've got to try and avoid in organising the international fixtures so late in the season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's sit, down, let's sit down in January, February and map out what's coming up at the end of the year and going forward. Mm, I touched on this in the intro, actually. Can you ask Willie, with all his contacts in the Northern Hemisphere, could the Warriors entice a big, burly, pommy front rower down here? And does he know of any? <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's plenty. There's plenty of fantastic players up there. Plenty of uh, tough front rowers. Um, you, if you've uh, taken notice, they've just had a clean sweep victory over over Tonga. Mm. Um, they've got some great young talent coming through. Um, people like Maddie Lee's, plays from St Helens. Um, there's a couple of young front rowers coming through at Wigan. Um, so there are there's players there. There are some players there. Um, yeah, I'd love for them and entice them to come down here. But I'm also understanding that it weakens Super League as well, and I'm a big fan of Super League. Mm. What, what's the what's what's the hurdle for a Super League player to come to the NRL? Uh, well, nothing really. It's whether they want to leave mm. leave home and get away from the home comforts. You, you just look at some of the players of late, the Burgess boys, Elliot Whitehead, John Bateman. Um, Mike Cooper, who went to St George, now they, some of them came across. Um, Elliot Whitehead and Mike Cooper, in particular, um, nobody really knew them, but they became household names and regular first graders. Um, the opportunities are there, and I think more and more are going to come over. There's a couple of young blokes, um, Kai Pierce, Paul, and Will Price. They've gone to Newcastle. They're only 21, 22. Um, there's going to be more of that, I think. Mm. Go over and players wanting to test, and the opportunity 
to make more money is in the NRL. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the, the parity or unparity of um, pay because, you know, we hear about these players on million-dollar-plus contracts. Uh, we talked about it with Adam Fanua Blake. Um, with a million dollars, there's just no one available. But could you get um, a good prop, a, a season prop, a, a proven prop for, for half that? I, I don't know what the pay differences are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, you could get that. You know, mm. Canterbury tried it with Luke Thompson. Uh, they tried to get him out. Of, they got him out of St Helens, and unfortunately, he had a he's had an injury riddled time at at, uh, at the Dogs. But yeah, they'd, they'd be able to get players over here, and um, there's a bit more than just the money. Mm. You know, it's it's the lifestyle. It's a lifestyle change. It's an opportunity to grow. And look at the Burgess boys and Elliot White. I don't think they'll go back. I don't think they'll go back to live in the UK. Um, James Grant's another one. So um, there's plenty of them to follow. Um, it's whether they're willing to make the jump. And ultimately that's got to be their choice. And, and a lot of times it doesn't come down to money. It is a factor, mm. but not always. Yeah, I almost tend to feel like you're better off getting a 22, 23-year-old and um, developing them into into um, the NRL-type environment. What what's, what's harder physically or mentally or... How did the number, the length of season stack up between Super Super League and NRL? I always say this: uh, they're different games. They're just totally different games. Mm. No, neither's better or worse. They're just very different. Um, you can play up to forty odd games in Super League. Wow! In a season, you know, and people forget about that. The demands are different. It's different going through a preseason in the in the thick of winter. You know, and you've really only got a week, if you're lucky, to get away to Spain or to Portugal to have a, a decent week of training and some, and some good weather to get yourself ready. You know, normally it takes a couple of weeks to kick in and get the season going, but with the Cup, the Challenge Cup and the length of season and the international in the middle, there's, there's a lot of games. And the players get asked a lot. And as I say, they get a lot less money than the NRL players, but they never complain. Mm. They, they don't question it. They just, you know, they're grateful for what they get. They're grateful for the opportunity. And I'm not saying the NRL blokes aren't. They're just really grateful to be able to, most of them play for their local club and represent their town. But that's the biggest difference to me, if there, if there is any. It's just different games and being, being used to backing up week to week. And, and sometimes I'm not sure what they're going to do next year. You know, we've had Easter's in the past where we've had to play Friday, Monday. Gee. Now that the play, the players that come over from the NRL and do it for the first time, they turn their nose up and is this is this for real? <laughs> and this that's just the way it's been. Now the coaches have fought for it for years. They finally got rid of it next year, uh, last year. I'm not sure if that'll come back. But that's there's a lot of tradition involved in those sort of uh, fixtures. What what's the health of the Super League over there? With you know that we've seen a few of the. Um, Premiership rugby teams fold. Is is it financially sound still the Super League? Uh, it doesn't spend above its means, right? And that's where its health is. Um, it's not a it's not a rich sport. Um, you know, you've got your rich clubs. You've got your Warringtons, your Wiggins, St Helens, and Leeds. Um, they're the ones that are really financially healthy because they've got really healthy, rich benefactors and backers and owners that help them. Um, the rest of the clubs, you, 
you're fighting almost uh, cap in hand to, to survive and get through the season. And that's where the disparity in the competition is. And that's why you always see the same teams at the top. But um, they're going through a process at the moment with a company called IMG who's going to sort out and try and figure out whose clubs are healthier, um, right down to uh, junior level, who recruits better, who's healthier at, and who's better at marketing their club and what they do social media-wise. Everything is covered and you're going to get a, a score and a grading and then they're going to try and finally get what they think is going to be a healthy Super League. And I hope that's the case. So, yeah, the game the game isn't rich. The game isn't well off. Um, mm. It survives it's, it survives on passion. It survives on uh, on a support base that that has watched the game for years and generationally it, it, that's the way it's been. It's played it, it's played up in the north, mostly by small towns that have a rugby league team that's always been there. And the teams are very tribal. The clubs and supporters are very tribal in, in their support of their team. I was hoping you're going to use that word because that's one of the things I absolutely love about sport is tribalism, um, and a lot of codes don't have that because you're right. You you see Wakefield Trinity, you see all these towns and cities with with their little clubs, and you just know there's three generations. There'll be, a th- there'll be granddad, dad, and son in the stand following that team through hell and high water. The tribalism is so good in Super League. Awesome, yeah, yeah. The singing—it's a bit like the football. You know, the people chanting, and uh, I agree totally. Um, Wakefield have just been relegated, but I've spoken to some people that friends of mine that's still in town. Is their support going to waver because the team's been relegated? No chance. Mm. No chance. They're going to stick with their team because, as you said, and as we're alluding to, granddad did it, dad did it. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to get my kids to do it as well. Mm. Brilliant. Hey, Willie, I could talk to you about the great game of rugby league all time, and you've really educated me on the, the game up in the north, and I'm pleased that um, it, it's getting along okay. So uh, brilliant to chat to you, Willie. Thanks heaps for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having us, Steph. There he is, Willie Poaching, um, former Warrior, former Wakefield Trinity, leads a whole bunch of them. A whole bunch of them. Um, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back.